at the end of 2019, uh, before the pandemic and everything else, I was over in England for the Greenbelt Festival and I got to hang out with an amazing dancer, choreographer, hip-hop artist, Amira Saket. Uh, this is my interview with her. I need to apologize because the sound is atrocious on it. I had just thrown in a little microphone uh, on my trip and it really stuffed up as I did this, but the conversation I felt was so important with such uh, key, beautiful, wonderful things that we all needed to hear, that we need to hear, that I couldn't not play it for you, uh, even though the sound isn't wonderful. So please do go and check out her work, because once again, this is a podcast and she's a dancer and you just have to see how incredible her movements are. They are amazing. So have a look at amirasaket.com. That's A-M-I-R-A-H. S-A-C-K-E-T-T dot com. Amira is a internationally recognized hip-hop dancer embodying her Muslim American identity, combining hip-hop movement with Islamic themes. She's known, uh, known best for her choreography and creation of her performance group known as Where Muslim Don't Panic. Uh, which reached kind of that viral video fame being featured on Pop Sugar, Huffington Post, Upworthy. Uh, it's such a, it was such an honor to get to um, both chat with her and to perform with her at Greenbelt Festival as we did a few different times. My poetry and her dancing, it was wonderful. Sit back, relax, bring in your ears. Sorry again about the, the distortion that you'll hear in this interview, but it's well worth it. Have a listen to Amira Saket. So here I am at the Greenbelt Festival uh, in the middle of the UK somewhere. I don't even know where it is. And I'm hanging out with a new friend of mine, Amira Saket. Is that right? Is that how you say your name? Yes. Yeah, Amira Saket. Um, which means that we're in the middle of a festival, so you might hear random cheerings and uh, music happening over the top of this, but that's okay. But welcome to the Deep Place podcast, Amira. Thank you very much. Can you introduce yourself to us? Who is sure. Amira Saket? What do you do? So, I am a dancer and choreographer, also an activist and educator out of Chicago, mm. uh, Illinois, in the United States. And um, I do my work centered around my Muslim American identity yeah. um, to bring dialogue and change um, to communities. Uh, around the country. And I also train, I have a crew uh, in Chicago called Robot Mafia. Robot and Mafia. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and we train together. Um, so I enjoy dance on like multiple levels, right? Of yeah. like my activism work, yeah. which I, I really um, create dance. And then I also just session and practice with other dancers in Chicago and attend battles and jams and uh, yeah. different underground hip-hop events. Yeah, cool. So, so it's hip-hop dance is what you do? What is what is it specifically? Yes, yeah, specifically popping, which is a style that comes out of uh, actually the West Coast. So it was originally from California in the 70s yeah. and done to funk music, but it's a street dance that 
ended up under the umbrella of one of the original hip-hop dance styles. And I also do breaking too, yeah. uh, break dance, which started in the Bronx, New York. And so I also am skilled in that, and I teach kids in both those forms. Yeah, cool. I got to um, see Amira performing the other day. We got to collaborate together. That was awesome. I did some poetry in between Amira's dancing, and she is phenomenal. Um, you'll We'll put in the show notes and stuff where to actually see her stuff, like on Instagram and things like that. Um, is it? Do you have like full videos up on YouTube mm-hmm. and stuff that people yes. can see? Yeah. Yeah. So you can check all that out because um, you kind of you need to see it to know what you do because it's yeah. phenomenal. You are incredible at what you do. Thank you. Uh, and it's obviously you have put a lot of work into it, like a lot. Yeah. It is. Tell us about the training that you do. Do you? Yeah. So to be a dancer, I mean, it's really it's like an athletic endeavor, mm. you know. Um, and then. So there's just a lot of training specifically with popping. It's a lot of different isolations of the body. So um, it takes a lot of control and building the muscles and the kind of reaction times in the body. And then also getting used to uh, freestyling to different music and how you interpret those different styles to the music. So it's... um, Yeah, it takes years and years of practice. I have danced so many different dance styles in the past that I'm like, I've been described by other dancers as a dancer's dancer, meaning that I'm a person who just embraces like all dance forms. That's cool. And so I have a lot of experience in different dance forms. I'm classically trained in ballet from when I was a child, also in contemporary modern dance movement, and then in breaking and in popping and... Yeah. yeah. So where did where did like where is your where did dancing start for you? What's your creative story? Uh, dance really was a passion since I was really a small child. Yeah. So my mom pretty much said that my father played um, jazz guitar, and when he would play the guitar, I would like stretch out my arms and legs and just start shaking. <laughs> and my mom was like, "That's a weird reaction." <laughs> like this That's kid. Great. So my mom's earliest memory of me as a baby was also that there's something wrong with this child. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, but it became apparent as you know, I I was like four or five years old. I was definitely a mover. I, wow. And then I got really into. Um, hip-hop as a child listening to rap and that was back when music was like hip-hop music was telling a story and it was really cool you know and so I was just like this is awesome and I think probably my father being into jazz music also helped um, that love you know because I listen I grew up listening to a lot of jazz and blues music as well from my dad and uh, and so then hip-hop was a natural progression into loving that that's great Mm -hmm. that's great did you go did you like study it anywhere as well uh when i was a kid there was no hip-hop class right so we were just copying music videos um kind of like kids today and the beauty of hip-hop culture is that a lot of it is self-taught a lot of it is you get a little bit of knowledge and then you use your own creativity but it's really definitely wasn't taught in classes when i was a kid it was a street dance you know Mm. so it was something you learned from other kids and you know we learned it from movies and we learned it from watching older kids than us yeah Um, was there a street scene in chicago like Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember, you know, one of the things I remember seeing in Chicago was actually house dancing. And um, 
because of the house music. And so that was something that I saw early. And of course, it wasn't really called house music or house dancing. Yeah. It was just that new music that came out that was real fast. Yeah. And, <laughs> and people were dancing and hopping around. Yeah. And I was like, that looks awesome. Yeah. But I was like a girl, so I, I saw the guys doing it. Yeah. And then I remember going home, I was memorizing their moves. Like I watched yeah, well. them do it. Then I went home and I started doing these different steps. And I still remember those steps from my memory yeah. of watching. So, I mean, it was, Chicago definitely had that, that um, flavor. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do you, what do you love about it? Why do you do dance? I think dance is like, I don't know, it feels like an expression that is so natural. Yeah. I think the way that we, if you think about even the way you gesture when you talk and you use yeah. your hands when you talk, yeah. to me that's also dance. You know, we yeah. are moving your body a certain, in a certain way to emote or um, designate a certain emotion is super powerful. And so I think that there's something in it that is healing for me um, as a person. And it also allows me to get out certain emotions that I have trouble maybe communicating through words. So for me, like dance is like when I can't speak, that's what I can do. Wow. And and so my feelings come out through that. Like a cathartic therapy. It's totally cathartic, yeah. Is there, I don't know, a story or an experience where your creative expression has really helped you through like the hard times, like the crap of life? Oh my Can god. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much every day of my life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, I'm thankful for everything actually. Yeah. But um, but I did go through hard times. As a kid, um, yeah. you know, I had certain challenges that I was going through. Uh, as an adult, um, I you know, one story I can tell you is that uh, I'm a cancer survivor. I had, really? wow. yeah, I had Hodgkin's uh, disease when yeah. I was like 23. Wow. And I was like just out of college. I was like so strong, um, dancing like nonstop. And at the kind of, you know, just like feeling like the world is mine. And all of a sudden I, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was really crazy because it took away something that, you know, up, up until that point, my whole life had been like loving dance. Like yeah. That's what I wanted. Yeah. And for a while, I physically had to rest wow. and I couldn't do it. And, um, and then I almost felt that my body was rebelling against me, you know, like, why is my body like, I've taken such good care of you. I yeah. don't drink. I don't smoke. Yeah. You know, I exercise like what is happening? Yeah. So it was a really hard time in my life. But after the diagnosis, after I started treatments, I actually went to a dance class. Yeah. And when I realized that my body still works, <laughs> it's almost like I thought my body like didn't know how to dance anymore. Yeah, wow. And then, but it did. Yeah. And then I gained a lot of strength from that. And that's why I think my connection with dance too, it got me through. That was one of the hardest times of my life. You yeah. know, I was scared that I was gonna die. Wow. And I think dancing reminded me I was alive. You know, and dancing reminded me of everything to live for, and it made me feel strong in my body again. Wow, mm-hmm. that's so full on. What a story! Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, was it a long recovery out of? It was like a year. It was six yeah. months of chemo, and it was another month of uh, radiation. Yeah, and wow. yeah, it kind of knocked me back on my butt for like a year. Yeah, and then after that, I came came back. You know, 
full force and I think I live my life because of that experience I really am probably less afraid of things because when you face your own like mortality very young uh, you become like I don't know it's kind of like everything seems a little bit better in perspective you know what I mean you don't take take things so hard you're like ah, I've been through some yeah. worse things you know yeah, pain so, is a great teacher, hey? it is a great teacher so yeah. alhamdulillah for everything I'm I'm grateful for the experience yeah. um, and but yeah that so dance is very personal for me it's very yeah. meaningful for me yeah. because of the way that it's like aided me in my life to be a healthy person yeah yeah um, so tell, during that time as well, like you're obviously a very spiritual person, a Muslim mm-hmm. lady, um, which I'd love you to talk about in general in a second. But during that time, what? How was your spirituality? Like, how was? How did that get affected by the cancer and and all that kind of thing? Was it like, what the hell are you doing, God? Like, yeah, I mean, you're 23, you know, yeah. so you're 23, and you're like, wait a second, this doesn't really make sense, you yeah. know, and um, you know, I had a lot of people, everyone praying for me and everything. Yeah. But I realized that, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, our our fate is written for us. Like, what's going to happen is going to happen, right? Mm. So there was an acceptance mm. after uh, being angry, being sad, mm. being scared. There was an acceptance of whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Wow. Um, and I think afterwards, I became closer to Allah, my relationship, because I became extremely grateful, and I also became more accepting of myself. I feel that there was a lesson in there for me. I was very, uh, before having cancer, I was very type A personality perfectionist. It was very hard on myself, you know, about everything. And I think once that happened to me, I was like, whoa, I just need to like love myself and really enjoy life every day. (laughs) And that lesson, you know, you're going to go through times you forget that lesson and you're <laughs> just course. mad yeah. and you hate yourself and you're like, what am I? Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, but I think that it, it definitely comes back as a reminder. And then my, yeah, I think I had a lot of spiritual growth after it uh-huh. because I became ex- extremely grateful. We call that like shukar. To have like a shukar means like thankfulness. Yeah. You know? So when you express that that shukar, it's yeah. it's like a very powerful moment to be grateful is, is something that will bring you more benefit. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah. So tell us about your um your spiritual journey what's that looked like as a Muslim did you grow up in a Muslim family did you have you gone on your own journey with that what's that like yeah so um, a lot of my own journey I think in adulthood really exploring it more I think I was I was really like obsessed with dance and stuff and so I was yeah. like yeah God whatever you know, like, <laughs> you know I mean I was just like a kid like yeah, you know yeah. you don't think about those things that deeply yeah. but I think definitely after going through the experience of being sick and all yeah. of that and you know all the prayers that were said for me I was like what is prayer you know I yeah. started asking what is prayer and yeah. it's really energy right uh-huh. you know and it's 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 asking you know Allah, the universe, whatever, whoever you're praying to or whatever yeah. feeling you think prayer is, it's really asking for protection, it's asking for healing. Yeah. And I found a great strength and power in that. Yeah. And But it took a while for me to become, I think, more like um, 
spiritually grounded i think the dance for me was a spiritual experience to be honest so i think that i experienced spirituality in a physical form of dance and community so not just me dancing but the community i danced with that was a spiritual experience in itself right and then later as i as i delved more into really knowing my religion and studying islam and studying different scholars and and reading more and going to lectures and all of that that's where my faith grew and then it got reflected in how i carried myself through life and so um i think the only way to like for me the only way to grow spiritually was to attain knowledge and then the knowledge is what made me like make significant changes in my life yeah. right so yeah. um and and those things are really precious to me so and now you know looking at the growth that i've had i just realized that you know faith and spirituality it's not a, it's not linear you know yeah. what i'm saying it goes up and down yeah. and it, we're humans yeah. you know yeah. there's times we feel especially when things are going well yeah we're like we start thinking that we made it happen yeah and we're like yeah i did this yeah i got this under yeah, control yeah. And then allah is like oh really watch this <laughs> yeah. now all of a sudden you know you're you can't pay rent one yeah. month and you're like Wah! Yeah. <laughs> and then you're praying please and um and this is a repeated thing you know yeah. that, and for me as a muslim like as muslims we believe yeah. that yeah. that allah wants you to turn to him mm. he wants you and if you don't turn to him yeah. he'll make something happen to have you turn to him <laughs> and it's a very funny thing like yeah. it's funny but it is something we believe in that you yeah. know it's it's better to keep praying and keep in touch with him because yeah. if you if you remember him he remembers you right yeah. and if you start to forget him he'll make you remember him. <laughs> you don't want that to happen <laughs> in a bad way <laughs> yeah that's great yeah that's great. um mm. you you are, i know that you love rumi yes because um, your dancing is filled with rumi you yeah. use, you use uh, rumi's sufi poetry mm-hmm. um you use rumi's sufi poetry in your music that goes with your dance and your hip-hop music correct. um have you how's the Sufi poets, Muslim Sufi poets, Rumi, Hafiz, others, um, how have they impacted your own um, Muslim faith? Or, and has their, like a lot of their stuff is about kind of um, transcendent experience, like mystical yes. experience. Mm-hmm. Is that, is, has that been a thing for you through dance? through? Yeah, it's a huge, huge part. Yeah. I mean, I think that like the beauty of, you know, when we're studying religion, we have uh, a lot of text yeah. and we have scholars yeah. talking about certain aspects and you know in um, and these different kind of philosophies within our faith yeah. but when you hear when you you know read Rumi yeah. it's it's more of the experience through art right so it makes sense that I'd be drawn to that yeah. you know because yeah. you experience the principles that you know yeah. that belong to islam but you're it's filtered through this man who was telling you this in a beautiful way right and and it's like such a powerful powerful message and um just knowing rumi to be someone who was an islamic scholar and teacher and a head of a madrasa head of a school and then he met this man shams who was a mystic yeah right and he yeah, ran away right. with shams and yeah, he started yeah. dancing in the desert yeah, and yeah. i was like i am so ruby <laughs> <laughs> i feel him that yeah. is my dude yeah, so totally. um i think that 
And what's beautiful about Rumi in connecting to other people is that yeah. so many people connect to Rumi because yeah. you don't have to be Muslim to read Rumi and yeah. get something from it. Yeah. Like all great art should be for everyone. Yeah. And Rumi is for everyone. So part of my combining Rumi into my work is to also like share something that we universally can learn from yeah. and that are universal principles yeah. that are not only taught in my religion, but are just humanity, yeah. you know, and that's the beauty of Rumi. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's in your, in your dance, has there been, is there moments that you can remember that's like, I just feel like I left, I don't know, left my body, left the unit. I just feel yeah. like I just was one with everything, one with Allah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's moments, especially, I have a piece, Love Embraces All. Yeah. Uh, there's, I built it in the beginning and to be very, uh, even when, when I have really proper lighting, yeah. it's magic. Yeah. And I feel it, like I'm yeah. 100% in it because I start in the spotlight and I'm doing these waves and there's the sound of this wind. And that, that really, um, what I wanted was to transport people to a different world yeah. and transport myself to a different world. And then when the beat starts, it crashes back down into this world, yeah. right? Ah, and so that was cool. the idea, was yeah. that I was in a different dimension, yeah. and I was at that heightened spiritual level. Yeah. But then I came back to what we call the dunya. And the dunya is like this world, yeah. right? Yeah. There's the ahra, the afterlife, yeah. and there's the dunya, yeah. right? So um, that piece represents that for me, like these it. two places, right? Yeah. Where we have to be on the ground fighting, yeah. but we also have to be at a spiritual level where we can rise above stuff and look at it from up here yeah. but sometimes you have to be on the ground with your troops absolutely. you know yeah, <laughs> and like go through life yeah. you know and, and yeah, face totally. those hardships yeah So tell us, tell us about your activism because you are a Muslim woman in America that's it's not probably an easy thing. Not always um, the easiest. You yeah. know, being visibly Muslim too, like yeah. wearing hijab, yeah. um, you know, that also, you know, I recognize my own, uh, you know, privileges as well yeah. as, you know, um, there's always people that have it uh, harder than you, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but I think that when I look around my community and I see us and the troubles that my friends have had, and a lot of them are microaggressions, yeah. um, you know, but some of them actually, you know, just very frightening too. Yeah. You know, one of my friends got pushed down some stairs, yeah. you know, at a train station in yeah. Boston. Um, and she's a hijabi and you know, and being told, go back to your country, or yeah. being, you know, we got spit at one time by this guy, and if I would have had a stick, I would have put a stick through his spokes on his bike and watched <laughs> him fly through the air. Anyway, that's a gangster in me. <laughs> that's the hip-hop part of me. That's the dunya. That's the dunya part. Then I have to rise above it. Um, it's a constant struggle to rise above it for me. I'm a fighter by nature. But, um, <laughs> but I think that, um, yeah, it's a struggle right now. And it's very disappointing to hear people, you know, in your own country that you love being jerks and being really stupid about stuff. And then your beautiful friends and your family and your your people being worried about them yeah. you know when they they walk down the street yeah. so there is a, a tenseness to that that yeah. exists every day um and it's felt 
yeah. quite often. Yeah. Um, and so that in is part of my inspiration to do the work that I do, to yeah. educate people, to let them, I feel like we have the most power when we know someone, yeah. you know, and we have personal conversations with them. Yeah. And I still am old school that way, where I feel like that reaches people's heart yeah. in, a, in a different way. And, yeah. and dance and art reaches people's hearts. Yeah. So, so what does the activism look like? What do you do? Are you going to schools and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I go to a lot of colleges and universities, also some grade schools and stuff like that. I do residencies around the country, a lot of times in smaller towns where they don't have a lot of exposure to Muslims. Yeah. And I do programming around that, so sometimes I'm just teaching dance class. But yeah. being a Muslim, they're like, okay, I'm being taught by this person so even yeah. small children I don't have to tell them I'm Muslim yeah. they just see me yeah, and yeah. then in their mind they learn some cool moves from somebody who looks like me right so yeah, the next yeah. time they see someone walking down the street looking like me yeah. they're associating this person that they know you know with yeah. that rather than the ridiculous media right yeah. and and just that small thing makes a huge difference yeah. and that's something that as a hijabi as someone who wears the headscarf and covering what's nice about it is that that's an activism in itself every single day mm, mm -hmm. so you know every single day I'm asked about my faith yeah, wow. every day wow sometimes it's like that's enough yeah. but because <laughs> I just want to go get a coffee yeah but um <laughs> yeah. like, oh I love your scarf looks so pretty on you are you Muslim yes yeah. I am okay yeah. can I get a latte for you <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time I love it because yeah. that's where it's at yeah. you know what I mean and yeah. so uh, one of my favorite sheikhs yeah. told us in a class he said uh, hijabis yeah. are the princesses of Islam huh. and I was like I'm totally a princess, princess. and my that. name means princess Amira means princess <laughs> yeah. but what he was meaning is that we are ambassadors because we are, yeah. are visibly the symbol of Islam yeah, yeah. but that also puts us in a precarious place yeah. because we are so visual yes. right yeah. when we walk down the street right yeah. so uh, sometimes a Middle Eastern guy uh, could walk down the street maybe people think he's Italian they, yeah. you know they don't yeah. but when they see the headscarf yeah. like they know they're like this person yeah, totally. so it puts us in a you know in a, a delicate position sometimes yeah and well because a lot of people sadly because of media's twisting etc etc and the fear and divisiveness a lot of people think that um the, like the the headscarf the hijab is a sign of oppression right yeah for you which is which i know you would say is ridiculous um, yeah how because do you, how we, do you speak to that well a lot of times um, I bring up Mary, yeah. uh, the mother of Jesus, yeah, yeah. peace be upon her and yeah. peace be upon him. And that every depiction we have of Mary, she's yeah. wearing a headscarf, yeah. she's wearing a shawl over her yeah. head. And everyone's like, so she's beautiful. Yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah. She looks pious. She looks like a woman of God. And that's yeah. how she's depicted. Yeah. So why am I not a woman of God then? Yeah. You know, because, um, you know, and so, and also one time I was walking down the street and I was prepared to say salam alaikum to a woman I saw in the distance. Yeah. As she got closer, she was a nun. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and it was so cool. You should have said it. Did you say it still? I said, hello, sister. <laughs> and she said, hello, sister. And I was like, that's so cute. Yeah. And I realized in that moment, like, how we actually share that. Yeah. And so the, the stereotypes, it's very, it's very one-sided, yeah, right? Absolutely. That has to do with us. But yet, 
you know, in as as Christians go, if you see a nun, you're not thinking. You think you think, oh, she chose God, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we're choosing God every day. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a little different. Yeah. Uh, but it's still like to me, the symbol of it is the same, and it came from the yeah. same region of the world. Yeah. You know. So I mean, all of us would have trouble getting through TSA together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mary, me, and Mary. a nun. <laughs> Walk into TSA. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, that's okay. Jesus, <laughs> right, Jesus did have trouble getting through as well. Right. Yes, especially Jesus. Yeah, he not he all the Jesus is depicted. The some of the Jesus is depicted. Yeah, <laughs> some of them would probably be all right. Yeah, some of the white Jesus. <laughs> white Jesus is all right. <laughs> he can get through. Yeah. You bringing awareness um, to this. You don't. It's not just in Chicago, like multicultural cities as well. You're going yeah. like small town America. How's that experience? It's pretty eye-opening. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is beautiful about it, which I know everyone will expect me to only tell the horror stories of, you know, like, oh, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. But really, it's it's not so much that. there yeah. In every small town and city, yeah. there's a group of people that challenge the status quo. Yeah. And they challenge what they read in the media. And yeah. they're open-minded. And they're doing work in their community to make change. Yeah. And this is one of the most encouraging things that I've learned about traveling in the U.S. Yeah. Is that I do love Americans. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's weird. And I have to bring it back to Chicago and be like, they're like, oh my God, were you okay in Southern Oregon? And I was <laughs> like, you guys, there's some really cool people in yeah, Southern Oregon. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that for me is actually an education mm. yeah. in realizing that, you know, I have to also not listen to the media hype yeah. so much. Yeah, I have to take totally. people for what they are too. Yeah, that's you know, right. and so listen it's listen to their story. Yeah, it goes both sides. Yeah. So we have to remain open, you know, yeah. and so what I'm trying to do is consistently remain open yeah. and then encourage openness in other people. Yeah. But there are times, yes, that it is, um, you know, there are hardships in those places. Yeah. I get asked very questions that are really crazy, you know, to me. <laughs> yeah. like, And those are hard to deal with sometimes. And, um, yeah. you know, like one older woman, she, ha she raised her hand at the Q&A at my show. Yeah. And she goes, I have a beautiful friend. I love her. She's Lebanese. And we're really good friends. And she goes, my other friends here who are white and Christian said why are you friends with her wow. and the woman said what are you talking about I love her she's yeah. amazing yeah and they're like don't you know that she wants to kill Christians oh. and I was like what, what? and then I was like and so she literally asked me like does the Quran you know say that you're supposed uh. to kill Christians and I was like, okay, your friend that would not be hanging out with you. Well, we're people. Like, yeah. most of us have other things going on in life than think about how we're going to kill Christians. <laughs> like, I actually have to pay rent, you know. Like, I want a nice life. People want families. Like, people are not sitting around yeah. thinking about jihad every day. It's a really crazy idea that all Muslims are just yeah. sinister. Yeah, like, we're all really just, crazy. you know. But the thing is, is that, you know, I had to um, kind of tell her that, you know, in the Quran there's historical context yeah. so some of it's historical some of it's yeah. allegory and some of it's truth yeah. and so you know we you know I told 
her to ask her friends, wow, I didn't know you guys were experts in Islam. Yeah, Where yeah. did you read that in the Quran? Yeah. And like, can you show me it? Because yeah, I'm like, yeah. then it takes it back to them. Totally. And they realize they don't know anything actually about the religion, yeah, the yeah. text. You don't speak Arabic. You never read the Quran. Yeah, you don't yeah. know any Muslims. This woman's just a Lebanese woman that wants to like eat yeah. uh, cake Stick with you. Stick it on with a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was a really interesting experience yeah. just yeah. hearing those things, you know, and but it was beautiful because this woman, and she was like in her 70s, and I loved that she was like whatever to her friends yeah. and kept her Lebanese friend. Yeah. And so I feel at no, no matter how much, where you are in the world, how much you've been brought up a certain way, you have the ability to resist what you've been taught that's false. Yeah. And you have the ability to fight that and choose love. listening to this podcast there'd be people of all faiths and beliefs and worldviews what like what do you what do you want to say to them as a as a Muslim woman as a Muslim dancer artist I would say um, keep your mind open and yeah. like learn yeah. you know and learn not only through reading but learn by talking to people that are different than you like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Every Muslim will answer a question for you if, yeah. if you ask them. Yeah, yeah. They, they would love to answer a question. Yeah. But a lot of people are afraid of offending, yeah. you know, because they know that it's, like right now it's not, it's not a great time for us, so they're scared to ask anything. Yeah. But the best thing you can do is ask. Yeah. You can walk into any mosque yeah. and, like, say, can I observe prayer? A lot yeah. of mosques will allow you to observe prayer and there's a lot of interfaith dialogue work mm -hmm. going on so I'd say to people of all faiths like I think that you know um, let's focus on our togetherness mm -hmm. and and solve problems that affect our communities mm -hmm. and not just uh, debate about theology and yeah, you know what totally. I mean we all have things to solve in our communities yeah so, so all my Muslims listening right <laughs> now alaikum, I love you um, <laughs> Um, everything that I do, whether you think it's, you know, right or wrong or whatever you think about it, yeah. I do it because I love you. Yeah. And, um, and I know that things are really tough right now, but, you know, we have, we have so much beauty to celebrate and we have so much historically to celebrate as Muslims with our art and with our um, history and yeah. with the beautiful example of our Prophet peace be upon him so stay strong but also stay open and yeah. do not be afraid to talk to your neighbors yeah. do not be afraid to share um, who you are with people yeah. you know and do not do not back down because you are um, gifted with you know with a beautiful faith yeah and so you know don't let anyone make you feel ashamed of who yeah. you are yeah what's what's your creative process how do you take something from being and nothing to all the way through to performance um i do a lot of writing i writing yeah, yeah. i actually write a lot yeah. in a journal like my yeah. ideas yeah um <clears throat> sometimes i'll just be walking and i just have an idea for uh, an image in my head, you know, yeah. something that's cool or a concept. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it comes out of my own study, like I'm creating a, a new piece um, right now that's just in the development stage. And it's about the people of Shukar and the people of Sabar. Right. And so I'm 
I'm just like using this, you know, Islamic philosophy. And then I'm coming up with how can I create a piece that tells a story through that concept. Yeah. So yeah. that's usually what I write about and I brainstorm. Yeah. And then, um, you know, a lot of times I collaborate with other musicians or, yeah. you know, I like I collaborate with you having you yeah. do the poetry because it gives new energy to whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So I feel like collaboration is really big for me. Yeah. And then creating movement is the easy part. Right. I think the concept for me is like what takes a lot of time for me to come up with the concept and how do I get across what I want the audience to feel um, without being overdone so yeah. that it's not like a little pantomime, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that it's abstract enough that they can take from it and yeah. they breathe. Yeah. And that's where the artistry comes into. And that yeah. just comes from experience, yeah. to be honest, and years of doing it. Yeah. You know, because you just have to work at your craft continuously to get better. Yeah. And also, you know, it's like it's we're given certain gifts and there's certain inspiration that I think comes to me yeah. um, from my faith, too. I feel like there's certain things that that fall into line with me and people that come into my life for a reason and I feel that's Qadr or like the divine purpose for me yeah. and so I pay attention to those things yeah. and create from that place yeah. creatives keep working on your, your technique your yeah. skill yeah. you know like the dance that I do took years to like yeah. and I'm still working years you know I still yeah. have so much work to do technically in my dance form yeah. so um, I'm always learning I'm always watching like mentors it's good to have a mentor yeah. um, if you're a, a creative artist it's good to have a mentor within your field it's good to have creatives outside of your field that you're connected to yeah. so they can inspire you like visual artists if you're a writer and you're friends with a visual artist yeah. that will inspire your work so i think that there's so much that goes into being an artist that's not actually making art yeah. that that has to do with like how do i market myself how do i make a career out of this so get people around you that actually have that type of brain yeah. and that are in a field that isn't yours yeah, don't yeah. and surround yourself with people that you want to be yeah not just people you don't you want to uplift some people yes yeah. But you also don't want to stay with people who are just on your same level either. You want that one person above you yeah. that you can always look to as I'm trying to get there. Yeah. I cannot even begin to tell you how much I love these conversations, learning and growing and becoming new friends at music festivals. I love what I get to do. Um, make sure you go and chat to people who aren't part of your own cultural reality, who are different from you in whatever way it might be. How much do we need that in today's world? It was fantastic to talk to Amira Saket. Make sure you check out her YouTube channel and all, and her website and all of her stuff. She's incredible. Uh, all the music from today's episode is from Taylor Leon Hart and from Thomas Huey. Make sure you check out their music as well. Um, their details will be in the episode notes. Otherwise, fantastic to have you here. Have a great however long it is till the next episode comes out and we will see you we won't see you i won't see you but you'll hear me you'll hear me later uh so good so good to chat friends goodbye the deep place <laughs>